What is up and what's going on, all my listeners? Welcome back to the Keystone Chronicles podcast. This week with us, we are joined by Lou Nassara of Pinhead Beads and Tackle. This is a really good episode, man. I, I, I really learned a lot. This is not something that I'm really familiar with. And we go down the road of talking about steelhead and talking about a little bit of salmon. So if this is something you guys are interested in, I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. Lou is from up around um, like the Beaver area, uh, just north of Pittsburgh. Some some of you will be familiar with it. And we talk about his setups uh, using beads, uh, rigging, stuff like that. And if you guys hear some pauses and such throughout, that's because that this episode was recorded for uh, YouTube purposes of a video phone call. So go over to the Keystone Chronicles page via YouTube and you should be able to check it out on there. A little bit new to it, so I'm updating things frequently, trying to fix all the bugs and figure out how that all works. So be patient with me. But also Lou went ahead and did us a huge solid. If you guys make any orders from him on the Pinheads Tackle page on uh, Facebook, uh, you can you can find uh, his store on there. Go ahead and put in the promo code the Keystone Chronicles, all one word, and you guys will get a discount. So thank you, Lou. Great, greatly, greatly appreciate that. And if you guys have any questions, feel free to reach out to him. Uh, he's more than happy to help. Also, please don't forget subscribe, comment, and rate. And I hope you guys enjoy the show. God bless. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Keystone Chronicles podcast. With me today, joined by my good buddy Lou Nassaro. Lou, uh, how are you, brother? How you been? Um, it's been a while since you and I worked together, a couple years now, but uh, we go way back like a Cadillac. Hey, everything's good, man. Uh, yeah. Kids, I mean, I know whenever we work together, I think I have one at the time, but I'm up to four. Yeah. I got four now uh no more. like a bun- like a bunny rabbit right <laughs> right we got our we got our little uh basketball team kind of thing brewing uh but yeah we're done other than that just work and uh fishing business you know daddy business husband business same old yeah yep a busy life man yeah. it's a busy life yeah constant. so what uh what was the idea for the business man and uh-huh. i want you to go down the road of of how you got into it uh, i know you've always been kind of business minded but uh, you know, the leap of faith, what made you decide you wanted to try this out? And um, just talk about your background in the outdoors, you know, how you were brought up into it. Uh, if your mom, dad, grandfather, anybody around you was your mentor, let's try that. Yeah. Um, growing up, I was always around it. You know, my dad, my uncles, uh, you know, we were always fishing, hunting, always something outdoors, whether it was sports uh, or the outdoors related as far as, you know, fishing game kind of thing. Uh, right. But, uh, it, it, Western PA, you know, you know how I am. Pennsylvania, it's a huge, Keystone State's huge for, for fishing and hunting. So I think it was kind of like embedded into my mind from birth, uh, being in a very outdoorsy type family. So I think that's what kind of drove me, um, from, from day one, just always being involved outdoors. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of waterways in Pittsburgh area yeah. too, you know. That helps a lot. And then obviously, you know, the big lake's not, I mean, how far is the ride up to, to Erie and the surrounding areas up there? So uh, from me, I'm, I'm in Chippewa Township, uh, kind of basically right by Conway Yard. Um, mm-hmm. It takes me about an hour, 
hour and a half, depending on where I'm going. The farther south I am, obviously, the closer. Um, you know, if I start heading up to the mouth, which is obviously north, you know, I might get into like an hour and 45 minutes-ish. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, most of the trips up there, as far as elk and walnut go, hour and a half, hour and 40-ish minutes. If I head over yeah. to the uh, to the east end, you know, the mile creeks and everything, obviously, it's a little bit longer. You got to hit hit the uh, highway up there and head head east towards uh, New York. Right, right. Well, you know, man, you've been spoiled up there, too. It's, right. It's a little bit of a ride for me. So, like, for a day trip, it's a little bit of a ride. I mean, we've, you know, done it. But um, how often do you make your way up up towards uh, Erie and um, surrounding area? So, you know, I, 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 got, I was fortunate I could uh, go yesterday uh, with four kids. And then our work schedule, it, it's not easy getting up there. I try to plan stuff out with the wife and and between the kids because that that's a long day if i get to go up there for for a day yeah and the wife at home with four kids you know they're <laughs> two of them are under two years old uh right you know four year old and a six year old it it's rough so i don't get to go up as much as i i used to but uh i'd say i'd say a handful of times a year at least i go up there's a couple benefits i go to every year um for uh, uh one once for a, a guy that I knew that he had passed from COVID. Um, they had it the past two years, I believe. Um, Jeez. Then uh, a couple of the bait shops up there, I try to make it up. I'm, I'm selling in New York right now at one bait shop, uh, Tar uh, Fishing. Uh, Bruce Kowalski at Tar Fishing. He basically makes uh, a phenomenal rod, but he just opened up his new store. So he's selling my beat, my, my products out of there. And then uh, a couple other local shops are talk are, are getting into it, um, but basically, yeah, uh, definitely try to get up there as as, as much as I can. So. so, as far as your your season goes, um, I just want to hear about some of the fish that you caught. Oh, yeah. You know how how was your year? Because I seen some pictures, but uh, I just want to kind of put it in words here. Yeah, so. We're just getting around, like, they, they had a little bit of a melt this year, or a uh, freeze this year, um, but the fall was absolute fire this year, man. It was ridiculous. Um, got to fish Oswego Dam for salmon this year with my buddy Mike. Uh, we hammered him there. I probably caught the biggest hen I've ever seen in my life, and not just to say that, to, like, toot the horn kind of thing, but when <laughs> our, our buddy who guides brought us he had a couple cancellations so he called and he was like look man i have the boat up here he has a drift boat yeah i'm up here he said i i don't have anybody calling to fill it if you guys want to come up you're more than welcome i'm going out to fish so we jumped on we're like hell yeah we want to (laughs) yeah right (laughs) uh, him as a guide he's been doing it for uh, i don't know maybe x amount whatever x amount of years float indicator whatever you want to call it go down i set it and i have i use a center pin so uh i hook it and i'm like it's not doing anything (laughs) but i knew i wasn't on bottom because we were fishing the different water columns we had like he had a rod out i had a rod out our buddy mike had a rod out we were trying to figure out where they were laying so we all had different depths mine was set at the lowest so i knew it wasn't bottom i'm like what the hell do i have on here 
So I look back, I'm like, John, like, what? It ain't moving, dude. He goes, Chip, try horsing it a little bit. I horsed it, got it to come up. Have you ever been ocean fishing? No, I, I, well, just off the pier, but I've never been out on the big water. So anybody who's been out on the big water know when they hook into it, hook into an anvil and you get up and you start to come back down there's times where they'll they'll want to get just get run exactly what happened in this situation i i kind of force it up trying to think like what the hell is this thing i come down and it just starts peeling line peeling line like no other dude and there's two people next to us how did how it works up there at the dam you you get the boat up and there's a flat and they'll anchor off on it so you have boat 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 the whole way down the line and then everybody just kind of casts up and drifts down. Cast up, drifts down. When it did this, started peeling line, everybody's reeling their, sh- their shit in. Because they're like, this dude's got a tank on. I, I'm thinking it was a monster buck. I get it up and I start swinging it around the side of the boat. He goes, holy shit. And I go, what? He goes, that's the biggest hand I've ever seen in my life. And I've been doing this for years up here. I say, get, get the hell out of here. Bro, we got three gallon bags of, of eggs out of her. <laughs> I was like, "What? Like that's unheard. Of. Like you get a lot of eggs with kings, right? You know, especially coming out of uh, people who who fish for steelhead, right? You know, they'll they'll bring up mason jars, or they'll bring up you know bags, and they'll they'll have to get a couple hens to fill it. Literally, this thing it, it just kept blowing out eggs, dude. He was like, "Holy crap!" So we picked her up out out of the water. He netted her. We got her up out. She eggs all over the floor of this boat just pissing eggs everywhere and uh we, we ended up getting them all we got we got roughly like not three full bags we got we got about two just over two bags out of one hen it was absolutely insane i've never seen that before that was that was the highlight of my fall <laughs> highlight of my fall so what do you, I mean, what do you do for, with that fish then? Did you just take pictures and then put her back? Did you keep her? Oh, What's the. So no, um, the salmon that run, run out of Ontario, they, they basically, they basically run, spawn, and then they die. Okay. Uh, a, a lot of people call them the dirty boots because they stink. Hmm. They'll, they'll start to, they call them zombies too. Later in the season, you'll catch them. And it looks like their skin's starting to eat, eat itself away. They got these big, you know, blotches all over it. They basically run, fertilize the egg. The, the males, bucks, will fertilize the eggs from the hens, and then they'll die. They're just dead fish kind of floating. It, it, it's gross and kind of sad when you think about it for the fishery, but they just constantly keep coming just back. Just a li- life cycle, man. Yep. Yeah, that's – but you're going to educate me on a lot of stuff because – for the most part, you know, when I fish, we're down here and I fish small water. And, right. You know, I, I'm, I'm a trout fisherman. I'll fish bass and stuff like that. Right. But, you know, some crappy here and there. But I mainly, you know, go after trout and stuff. So you're educating me, brother. I That's that's wild. So, so all the eggs that you get out of her, you make bait with? Yes. I, I use egg sacks. So you basically okay. get a little – actually, I'm in my office now. This is this is uh, SpawnNet. You can get Atlas Mike. There's all kinds of brands, but right. they come in little squares like this. You just lay it flat, throw the eggs in there, and then you'll just kind of form them around. So there will be like a little ball 
at the bottom. You twist it a couple times, throw some magic thread over it. It basically, magic thread's just the thread that cinches itself. I got you. Pull it, and then it's just a little ball of eggs. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. It's probably one of my, the main baits that I personally use, other than, obviously, you know, my company, Pinhead Beads. I, I mm -hmm. make beads. Right. Um, it's basically just an imitation single egg. There's, there's all kinds of companies out there. But I use... I use those even for trout, like how you were just saying around here. Right. Yep. Um, they're ridiculous for right. over in our area back home for uh, for trout. I hammer them on beach. Yeah. I I've used you know salmon eggs in the past. Like uh, my, I know like the company like Mike's is like one yep. of them that I I remember yep. using. Um. But what? So when you when you get them, do you put them in a jar? Like yep. how do you do you preserve them? Or yep. So you cure okay. them. Uh, there's probably a thousand different ways you can do it i just do a basic uh basic cure with mine i don't get fancy with like the pot skis or all these other cures that are out there which they're, they're great products don't get me wrong guys at the pot ski awesome guys um you know all the other brands out there i'm sure they're they're just as good me i use a basic cure just a uh, non-iodized salt or a, or a borax and i personally like using some sugar on mine it for whatever reason i think whenever i mix the sugar with it 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 uh it helps them milk a lot once they hit the water again so when you cure them though like whenever we squeeze those eggs out you want to immediately put them in the river water because that's naturally what they do they'll swell up and they'll okay. they'll get a little bit solid so you let them sit in that bag as long as you want um, I mean, we let ours sit in the bag and in the cooler from the time we were fishing until the time we drove home. I see. Then once you're home, you'll strain them out. Um, do not use tap water. All right. You never use tap water with it. You always use a either like a filtered or, or like a bottled water or uh, a distilled water kind of thing. Mm -hmm. There's just too much chemicals in, in the water we get out of our drain. Yeah, then for sure. It'll, it'll mess your eggs up. Mm. Same thing with keeping any live yep. bait or anything. Yep. Yeah. But yeah, that's all I do. I cure them with the uh, with the the water that they came out of to to firm them up a little bit for the for the travel home. Then I strain them and let it, leave them out to dry for a little while. Just kind of go by feel until they're dry. You don't want them to, you know, get to the point where they're they're so dry you can't use them. But it's just it's kind of just an experiment thing. Like you'll you'll learn as you do it. Right. Um. And then I sprinkle the sugar. And either the borax or the sugar and, and, and non-iodized salt on it. Let them sit again for, you know, five, ten minutes. And then I wash them off with, uh, you know, uh, water again. And then I jar them. Nice. Um, so when you go through the process of putting on one of your tackles, one that you make. Yes. Take me down the road of exactly, like, how you would put that together. Okay. So, you know, you get your rod lined up. Right. And, you know, how you're going to tie it up, how you're going to. You know, center, you know, you're going to use a, a bulb or a float, an indicator, or are you going to use a leader of some sort, anything like that? So everything I do, I'm sorry, I had a notification come up there. Black me out for a minute. Um, it's all right. Everything I do for salmon, steelhead, trout, um, some people don't believe in it. I, I'm a firm believer in it, but fluoro. Everything I run on my center pins is a mono or copolymer line kind of deal it's a floating line mm -hmm. i run it down to a micro swivel and then i'll run a leader 
basically. I just go like an arm's length. Me being mm-hmm. that you know how me and you both were were the garden <laughs> names of the troops. I'll go from one shoulder to a full arm's length out mm-hmm. for my leader. Obviously, pending on water. You know, if you're running ripple water, obviously you're not going to put five foot a leader out. Right. But from there, uh, I tie on a seed bead, a glass seed bead. Is all that is. You can get them at Michaels. You can get them at all kinds of craft stores. Right. You tie that on. Let me, uh, I'll just show you the exact rigging I do. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I want to see. You know, I'm going to steal your recipe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> There's that. Uh, so, where did I put that on? It's so thin you can't see it. All right, so you have your glass seed bead. I don't know if you can see that in my hands. Your line here. Basically, you just feed it through like you would, you know, anything to tie it on. So you got your seed bead right there. You're going to double loop back through, Marcus. This is called, this is just a, you're basically tying this. This is just your cinch point for your bead to sit. So now you have a loop there. I don't know if you can see that, Marcus, or not, but there's a little loop right here when you double back through. You're going to take your tag end, run it through that circle, that that double, that loop back Mm -hmm. six to eight times. And then when you cinch this down, if you look as I do it, it's like a figure mm-hmm. eight over me, over that bead. I see. You just want to keep it centered. That way it doesn't leave a weak point on either side. All right. That's set. That ain't going to move. From there, basically just uh, tie your hook. However, there's a million ways to do that also as you... Everybody knows different uh, different ways to tie their hook on me. I just, for this purpose, I'll either use a uh, either an egg loop knot, but for this purpose, I'm just going to tie a standard standard uh, fisherman's knot on here for now, just to get it to show you how I do this. Okay. I'm gonna twist it up a few times. Feed that tag end through. There we go. So you got hook. Yeah. And then there's your your bead. I got I you. try to go two fingers. In between. So in between. Technically. So right now in PA, you're allowed to fish beads. Before it was like this big controversial thing where, you know, I never had a game warden ever ask me. But, you know, now legally per the rules, you are allowed. But I want to say it's two or three inches. This bead can't be set all the way up here and your hook be down there because in theory then, they hit this up here or you're dragging that bead through there and it gets them and then you yank, you're flossing them. Yeah. The closer, the better. Now, when you say flossing them, like foul hook? 
I got you. Yeah, you'll get a lot of, I think, uh, you know, a lot of people up near you, you know, you know how it is with the Russians, Ukrainians, they come up there with a, a lead anvil and then a hook with the one little piece of thread on and then you see them just ripping yeah. through and get them on the dorsal mm-hmm. or the pack. Size, size right. two hook. Right. Tur- turtle hook. Right, right. <laughs> Gaff. That's basically all I do for my setup though, Marcus. And then from there I have the beads mm-hmm. I make. They come in a strand like this. Mm-hmm. Just twist one off. And you just feed it on like you would be putting any bait on. Pull it up over the eye. And then when you get to that seed bead, kind of pinch it into the middle of it. Mm-hmm. And there it is. That's all there is to it. When it comes down drifting, they'll hit that and you pull up. I I can count on one hand. I've been doing this for, I don't know, eight years maybe now. Yeah. Bead fishing. A lot of guys will say, oh, you're, you're hooking them on the outside of the jaw or up on top of the nose. Bro, if, if you rig this right, you will never catch them outside of their mouth. It will always be in the top part of their mouth, right in the side. Now... So, I mean, I'm just kind of fascinated that they're actually biting your leader and you just have a couple inches and then, so does that give time for the hook to, to, to set or what's right. the, right. so as your bobber's drifting down, mm-hmm. when it comes down, that's obviously the take of the, of the bead. So this is coming down through, through the water. I see. They take this and whether it's just a quick move out of the way, you know how they mouth stuff and then they'll just come in and out. Mm-hmm. That little tick of your bobber when it moves and you come and set, it basically is enough time for you to get it to come through. You'll pull it back out of them, and then this will go right where, where it was in their mouth. Wherever they I brought see. this, you you set your hook, that's where your hook's going. Like I said, 90, I'd say at least 90% of the time I hook, it's in the top part of the mouth. Mm-hmm. The other times, you're usually catching them right in the corner. It's, I mean, that's it's, a new form of fishing for me, but yeah. I never, <laughs> I never even knew about it. So yeah, you're at, you, like I said, this is a great conversation for me because you're educating me on other forms of, of fishing that I don't, I don't know of. And that's wonderful. Uh, <laughs> bro, this is deadly up in Erie. Deadly. You. And again, it's, uh, these are soft beads. Uh huh. There's hard beads. They're like plastic beads. There's glass beads. There's acrylic. I mean, there's so many different companies out there that, that get into the bead business, but everybody has their own twist at it. Right. So that's why I got into it. Now, do you think, cause this is something I've talked to a lot of people about and, uh, they, some guys agree with me, some people not so much, but like, do you think that they prefer certain colors? I think the watercolor has a lot to do with it. Just like you, we were talking before this with fly fishing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, darker water, you know, you got to get something that's going to show that shadow. You got to get something that's going to show that profile. How right. I do it, how me, whether I'm fly fishing or center pinning with beads, whatever, I open my box and I'll hold it out in front of me with the water there. Whatever's popping to me, whatever colors are, are, are really popping to me right there, that's what I'm throwing. That to me, I, I I follow a couple people on on YouTube. Um, they're from out west, 
the the steelhead and, and salmon out there. All of those guys say that. When you get to the river, to the creek, to the lake, whatever you're doing, if you're worried about what color to throw or what, what size to throw, you know, turn some rocks. If you're at the creek and you don't know what to throw, go turn some rocks before you even get your your line in. See what bugs are there. Yep. They are, are there are there a lot of midges around? Are there a lot of stoneflies around? Are there a lot of you know caddis in the water? Figure out what what's there. What colors are there? Are are prone to being in that area and and go for it. But that that's how I determine color. Yeah. Yeah, I go you know, the same route too. And then when I talk to individuals that are, you know, more or less artificial lore spinning or stuff like that, I've always been told, and I've followed, I don't know how well it works, but when the water is darker, you go with like a more bronze right. or a darker right. lore. And then, you know, like a, like a lighter, lighter color, silvers and chromes and stuff like that. But you know, the route that you're going, when those eggs come out, what color are they when, so, when they're first? This is actually what I call my natural yellow. Okay. If you give me one second, I'll actually go get fresh eggs out of the out of my fridge right now, and I'll show you how close they are to this. Yeah, let's do it. Give me let's one second. It. Yep, no problem. For all you guys that are listening, um, you know, this episode will come out on audio only too, but this episode will be put up on the YouTube for the Keystone Chronicles so you guys can see a little better uh, all the rigging and all the stuff that we're talking about at this moment. So it won't be too long and you'll be able to see all that stuff a little easier on there. All right, I'm back. So now these are cured eggs. So. They're a little bit darker, being I use brown sugar on these, but those are actual eggs. Okay. So they're, like I said, they are a little bit darker. Let me see. How can I turn this around? Real eggs. Artificial. These, these are more of what they look like when they come out of the fish. Okay. Then whenever you put any additives in, so like I said, brown sugar for me, mm -hmm. they'll add some color to it. But I make an orange. I don't have there in my damn car. But for everybody that's listening, the colors that we're looking at, if you're only listening, they're like a, a fluorescent, or I don't want to say a fluorescent, like a iridescent yellow. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. kind of like pee water. <laughs> I don't yeah. know how it's compared. Yeah. Literally. Um, yeah, they're they're like a see-through yellowish tint. That's exactly it, too. Mm -hmm. Sorry, my phone keeps saying that it's low battery. Um, let me uh, let me grab a charger. Also, because I thought I had one down here. But yeah, next I, I'd like to talk about you know your rod setup, Lou. I want yeah. I want to go down the road of, and I, I don't know if you, you do you use custom rods. Is there a certain rod you yeah, prefer? So, so again, I, I know I mentioned them par fishing. They're out of New uh -huh. York. They make a phenomenal rod. This is one right here. Um, this is a center pin. Mm -hmm. so 
This is one of Danny Colville's reels. But it's got, you know, the designs and everything on it. Yep, that's badass, man. That's uh, cool. Yeah, it's a 13-foot, uh, you know, medium action, usually for salmon steelhead. Um, medium, medium light-ish. Because you want to be able to feel them small ticks. Uh, this rod, like I said, it is a... This is an 8, eight to 16 liter. So this is definitely steelhead. Or, I'm sorry, salmon. 13-foot. Um, like I said, it's it's big. Yeah. It's big. So, do they... Now, now that might be all sudden dumb asking you this, but is that something they'd refer to as like a noodling rod? So, float rod, basically, is... Yeah. Float rod is, is what these are. Noodling rods are a little bit different. Um, but they're, they're very similar. So, like a noodle rod... I actually have one of those over here. Uh, let me find it. Mm, right here. This noodle rod is a 10-6. Okay. So, technically, I do think they make noodle rods as big as those, like that 13-footer I have. But, uh... I, I don't get into that too much. I've never been big into uh, spin fishing for steelhead. I When I first started going, I was always with my fly rod. Right. And then I kind of ventured into the, the center pin aspect of it um, down the road. Um, but, yeah, th that's those are my setups. I mean, that, that, it's nothing, nothing like crazy that, you know, you wouldn't really see out there um right fly fishing uh i you you know fly fishing pretty decent too but you know around here in our areas my personal preference i like using the lightest stuff i can get because a i love feeling that fight with them right. exactly you know i i throw two two three weight um you know i i do a lot of check nymphing um you know euro style nymphing with the, the small jig nymphs, um, uh, you know, that's, that's just my thing. That's what I like to do. Yeah, I agree 100% when it comes to using a light action rod and a light, you know, like a lighter line too. Yeah. There's, there's nothing comparable. I really don't know. Maybe there's a reason and somebody could educate me, but why somebody would want to use like something that's not a lightweight or, you know, a medium action or, uh, a, you know, a stiff action, I don't really understand. Now, maybe for ocean fishing, I don't well, know. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I honestly, I have one of my ocean rods right over here because you know I, right. I used to live in Florida. But right. uh, that is all you just – you need the backbone. You need right. the backbone. Those those fish in the ocean, unlike what we have up here, right? they don't do – so, like, you know how, how it is with trout. You'll get that little bink, 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 bink. They don't play that game in the ocean. It's, right. I see food, you're going in my mouth and down my throat. <laughs> Period. End of story. There's no, there's no, yeah, that tastes good. I'm going to mm -hmm. take it now. It's, mm -hmm. you go out for grouper or snook, reds, yellowtail, something. It's full-blown, you look good, I'm going to devour you now. Right. And it's gone. Yeah. So they're not finicky, as no. I said. <laughs> no. Right. <laughs> no, they they just devour stuff, and you got lines screaming. Yep. 
So that's where I think the the big, you know, backbone reels are needed when you get into that kind of species of fish. Trout, you know, even even salmon, they they take it and they're gone. So that's why, you know, that rod compared to, you know, a noodle rod, noodle rod, you look at them, they're they're this big around. They're real, you know, you you give it a little wiggle and it's like that rod not so much. Right. You're dealing That's with, what I like. You're dealing with a, you know, twenty pound fish, right? Or more if you get into an absolute tank. Little different ballgame. Right. Now, as far as if you were to talk to me, you know, I'm a beginner on that game, so you you're gonna load me up. You're gonna take me to the lake with you, or <laughs> I'm gonna say the lake. You're gonna take me with you. We're gonna go steelhead. Right. We're gonna go salmon. Right. So let's go down the road of what what should I bring. What should I expect? So, me, I I fish the trib tributaries. Obviously, a good pair of waders, good pair of boots. You know, you're you're gonna put the miles on. Um, a, a lot of people up there stick to the main spots. You know, where there's access, they'll they'll go in, they'll walk a hundred yards, and they'll fish that hundred yard stretch this way, hundred yard stretch that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not knocking those guys. They're right. They catch fish. You know, to each is their own, right? right. You know, however you're going to catch fish, and if you keep them, more power to you. Me, I personally don't. Um, I'm not big on on trout or, or steelhead as far as how they taste. I'll, I'll wait and go load up on walleye and perch. Right. But, uh, t- again, to each their own. You pay for your license just like I do. Do whatever you want as long as it's legal. Right. Um, as far as going fishing, though, waders, boots, a good jacket. Because up there, they, it might say that it's a high of 40. 45 mm-hmm. i think today was like like in the 40s that wind coming off the lake it will cut through you like a freaking dagger yeah well i know that from working on a beeline but right yeah. yeah going up on the beeline you know exactly how it is <clears throat> yeah. um good pair of waders good good pair of boots comfortable boots um waiting jacket you know your pack as far as as whatever you're going to use that day right um and then whatever rod you're using, if, if you're fly fishing, you know, bring bring your fly rod, you know, pin, center pinning. I always take a backup. Right. God forbid you're walking and it happens every freaking year. You get these guys that want to run the spots or that they're not watching their footing. Um, they take a spill. God willing, they get up and they're not, you know, completely drenched where they got to go home. But, you know, they catch a rod tip. Yep. They catch a rod tip. It snaps. So that's why yeah, it, does, it doesn't take much to do it either. You wouldn't, you think as many times as you poke your rod into something that they're pretty tough, but it doesn't take much. No, it doesn't. Not at all. So, Not yeah. So I would be, you know, I would bring that stuff with me and, um, you know, we would go fish trib and like the, the spots that you fish, like how big is, is the water? As far as like the trip, can you walk across it? Or are you going to oh, get yeah. swept away? Or is it, you know what I mean? Yeah, you can absolutely, absolutely can. Uh, Erie, PA. What is going on outside in my yard? <laughs> uh, All right, we had to take a little break there. A uh, little uh, kid and dog interaction. So for you people listening that know, um, that happens often and early. So um, back to what we were saying. Kind of lost our train of thought in there, but. Uh, we were talking about the uh, the rods, I want to say the rods and the setups. 
Let's go on to uh, like time of the year that you like to, to fish and and um, let's go with like what you're doing each time of the year. You know, summertime rolls around. Are you out trout fishing? Uh, are you are, are you saving your time? Like, hey, you know, I know I know my wife's only going to let me be away so much. Right. So I'm going to save my time for fall or, so, you know. So with me, summertime's all about getting my son, son out because he's always up my butt to go fishing. Like he's so he gets so mad when I go steelhead just because he's he's four. Like he can't do that. Right. Yet. I'm not gonna get like there's some people who get their kids them them waiters for for young kids to go out and I just I the, the tribs are a very unforgiving place to be, especially if you take a spill every year. I mean, you can probably attest to this, Marcus. Every year you hear about people that go down. They'll go out and try to break ice or they'll go out earlier in the year because it's still warm out and they get brave and try to get to these spots. Well, one wrong step and you're, you know, neck deep in water, you slide or something like that. And I, I just don't want to put him or myself in a situation where God forbid something would happen. So, yeah. How old your son? Four. Yeah. So summertime is all about going out to the sportsman's club down by me here in Beaver County and mm-hmm. just letting him hammer bass trout bluegill whatever wants to bite his little the little spider-man rod he's got you know we'll <laughs> take that day because he gets a kick out of right. anything i feel so, you man I feel um, you. as far as steelhead salmon go definitely fall um the weather plays a lot to do with that you know yeah the, the temperature of the tributaries is pretty much what determines when the season starts next um, but, uh, like right now is technically the spring run, even though it's still been 30 degrees and everything. But, uh, I personally like the fall run a lot better. I just think you get those fresh fish coming in in the fall, um, right from the lake first thing, you know, in the year, <clears throat> late year. Um, that's just my preference, uh. Plus, I hate dressing in 30 layers because me being five foot six, I feel like freaking uh, the little brother off the Christmas story when I'm out there walking around in waders and, and five yeah. layers, you know, trying to cast a <laughs> rod, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. It's definitely kind of definitely kind of thing. Yeah, I don't like wearing a lot of layers either. That's why I think the introduction of the vest is one of the best in, uh, inventions Absolutely. ever. But um, so let's talk about what to look for okay uh when you get up there you said you like to fish spots that most people don't walk toward you know to want to work for so what are you looking for in a spot whenever you're uh, out there and you're like hey you know is it a gut feeling or is it like hey this rock split in the water here looks good you know whole you know curve in the in the creek itself or river but what do you what do you look for the first thing I have to tell myself, which I, if you have a lot of listeners that are like avid steelhead guys, they're either going to agree 100% or they're going to message you and say, this guy's an idiot. <laughs> In Pennsylvania, even Ohio, um, these are stocked fish. They go and they have nursery waters in these tribs where they go and collect the eggs and get the men uh, the, or, the, or the buck, the males, and uh, you know they milk them grow these fish into you know whenever they're ready to be put back in the in the creeks they go stock them i mean all they are is a giant 
rainbow trout that we have on opening day of trout. Whatever you would use for trout, use for steelhead. Just maybe a little bit bigger. Um, however you would fish for trout, you know, they're going to hold behind structure. They're going to hold behind these giant rocks. They don't want to be in this big turbulent water and everything, you know. It's the same thing. You learn to read water, you'll catch fish. Um, that's my mindset on steelhead fishing. Yeah. Salmon, whole different ballgame. Whole different ballgame. Because when the salmon run, it's like a giant wave coming up creek. Like, you just see dorsal fins everywhere. Right. You know, you, it, where, I, where I've gone is up to Oswego, you know, Dirty Burt is the name, Burt Dam, you know, Salmon River. You just have fish everywhere. So salmon, you're just kind of hoping it lands in their mouth and you give it a yank and hopefully you're an honest fisherman where if you see your foul hooked it, let it go. If you hooked it legally up in the mouth and you want to collect the eggs or if you're going to keep the meat to eat it, keep it, you know. But uh, salmon, or I'm sorry, steelhead is the same thing as how we would go fly fishing for trout around our area. You know, hit them pocket you. waters. If you're in it, if you're in a nice hole, hit each seam of that hole. Start in the front, work to the middle, work to the back. Start at the top of the run, work your way down. Uh, kind of thing. You know, make sure you're covering all the water that you can. You know, ankle deep water. I'm not wasting my time. You know, the, uh, a lot of guys love doing that. They'll high stick it through and try to get that that nymph to sit this far underneath the water column, and you'll see them fish come up and slurp it. That that's not my I I don't personally like that kind of fishing. Um, I know I I see what you're saying. Everybody's different, right. you know. I, to each their some own. guys, right? Fly fishing, you know. Some guys straight top water. Right. They don't, you know. They're floating. Other guys, hey, they'll they're they'll nymph. Mm-hmm. They that's what. And I mean, you know, usually you'll probably catch bigger fish under underwater or in a bigger bigger water. Uh, that's something I can attest to. But whenever you're fishing, now are you fishing? Let's say you step up to the river. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're right and you're left, right? The 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 river's flowing one way. Are you fishing parallel, casting up, working it down? Uh, are I, you fishing in the water, casting up creek? Are you you know you so see what I'm saying? Again, that that to me is going to be all on the body where I'm at fishing. If I come in and it's super, you know, dirty like like that dark green water after a rain. I can get away with getting maybe getting a little bit closer to those fish because of the sediment in the water and everything. Clear days, mm-hmm. you're gonna fish like you're out west. You're gonna spot and stalk all day. You're you're gonna go at all costs, not get in the water. Now at Erie, that's a little bit hard, you know, getting from spot to spot, walking as much as I do. But uh, you know, I'm always casting upstream and drip, especially center pinning. What I usually do. Fly fishing, you know how it is, cast quartering away and let it come down into the into the run. That way your bait's got time to get down. Um that's that's my style of fishing. I'm always I'm always basing it off everywhere I go and I say that looks like it's holding fish before my line goes in the water, that little game gets played in my head. Okay, how do I how do I present my bait the best way possible to generate a strike? Do I have to approach it from the top of the run? Can I approach it from right dead center here, casting up? Is it is that that flow of water going to give me enough time to come down? Is it swirling water? Is it going from uh, you know uh, ripple water into a pool? 
Uh, so it, it all depends on the water that you're fishing. You know, it depends on the color, depends on the, the, uh, you know, what's around you is how I base, is how I base how I'm going to fish. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, that does come with learning how to read right. water and, and understanding, you know, maybe the sun's at your back mm-hmm. and that's not the right side right. to be on. Right. Shadow casting, right. even sometimes you might have an orange shirt on that's giving right. you away. And that's something that it, I don't know how many times I'll be up in Erie and I'll be fishing with somebody and they'll say, Man, you know, you're you're picking them up here, you pick them up on that side, you pick them up down on this side of the run. Um, you know, what what am I doing that I'm not, you know, catching fish? And I'll just talk like we just had it happen not this past trip, but the trip before. We were we were on elk. Dude comes in and we were we were you know shooting the shit with him and everything. And he's like, "Oh man, you know those are cool." We were throwing beads. Um, you know, I I rigged him up with one and said, "You know, try to drift it down here." Dude was in a lime green shirt hoodie. His waders were like this this like I don't even know what brand they were. They were like a yellow, bright 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 colors. And the water was a little bit more on the clearer side than it was dirty. Like it didn't rain for like five, six days. Um, so he's like, man, he goes, you just came up here and banged two of them. And I'm not, you know, you hooked it, everything up for me. And I said, well, you know, look at my colors. I'm neutral colors. I'm brown, uh, tans, you know, even, even like I would never wear this fishing, just that yellow. My, my fishing OCD, if you want to call it, kicks in. Everything right. I do is either a, a camo, a tan, a brown, a, a, a green, um, offsetting myself to the background. Right. Yeah. I think that that's overlooked and might sound wild, but you got to think, you know, how much of a magnification mm-hmm. you are, right. they can see you. Right. Um, but what about your goals, man? Uh, you know, we're still early in the year. Right. And I know a lot of us like to set goals for the year Mm -hmm. or maybe something that you'd dream of happening or would like to happen. So don't you walk me down the road of what you'd like to get done this year and then maybe a dream scenario of, hey, I'm out here and this happened and this is the way I envisioned it. I wanted it to happen. So definitely one of my go-to things for this year is with my son. Um, I want to get him on a a big hook jaw brown. That's, that would be my ideal thing. Like he, I brought him out to that. And, and again, I know I bring him out to a sportsman's club where it's kind of a pay to play thing, but right. I, they're, they're so good to the kids out there. They do fish derbies and, you know, all kinds of stuff throughout the year. That's the main reason I, I even go out there. Um, a couple of my buddies have kids. It's always fun to get the kids out there interacting together, catching fish. They, it's like. It's like a pig in mud kind of deal, if you want to call it pig and shit. Kind of deal. Oh, yeah. They're going nuts. But he caught his first uh, trout last year, and this thing was tanked, dude. It it was like it was like a twenty, like a twenty three inch rainbow, twenty three, twenty four inch rainbow. That's they just monster. put they just put chunks out in this this lake. There's two lakes on the property, front lake, back lake, and we're on the front lake. We're over by the pavilion. There's you know they got all their snacks and iPads and all that shit. They, Oh they yeah, care. right. With me, me and two of my buddies, you know, we were the ones sitting there paying attention to the bobbers and, and everything. They're over there playing on their iPads, chasing the ducks and everything. Luca's bobber starts tapping. I'm going, Luca, Luca, hurry up, come here, come here. 
it takes off. And he, he has this little Spider-Man rod, Marcus. I'm top. <laughs> he's going, Dad, don't. He's going, Dad, get it, get it. Well, after using these 13-footers and, you know, a 10-6, a 12-foot fly rod and everything, going to a rod that's as big as my forearm, setting a hook, I'm like, there's nothing there to get leverage. So, right. like, I'm get, I yank, and you would have thought I was 10-foot tall, dude. I yank up. I'm back here to set the hook and get all the line off the water to get tension. And it just starts, it, it was buzzing line off because those rods come with what, like an eight pound Berkeley line on it, like right. trash. I, would, I wasn't thinking that bringing him to the club that they put these tanks in there. And then there's always the opportunity. They, they put flatheads and, and channel cats in, in this lake too. At times. <laughs> so I'm like, after I hooked it for him and he's reeling it in, he's, he's like, shaking by the time it's getting there because this fish is as big as he is uh it hit me i'm like you're an idiot you didn't put any good line on this thing but that fish alone i think was like like when we were growing up there was that moment that it hit us like i'm sold on this like your first your first deer your first big wall hanger fish or your mounted fish your first wall hanger buck like that was his yeah. moment where he's like, I'm sold. I'm a fisherman for life. So yeah. yep. after that moment, I was like, I got to get my hook job around. That yeah. absolutely 100% is my goal for this summer is either at the club where I know they put them or bring him out to these creeks that, you know, for opening day where, you know, they put the breeder browns in. Right. 100% my goal this year. Anything else that happens, whether it's with the business, with me, whatever, it, yeah, it, it's kind of, you know, great, but it is what it is. If I can get him a trophy brown, uh, my year will be made. Yeah, well, that's what happens, man. You know, that's why it's so important for us to get him out there. Mm-hmm. And like, you you know how it is. Yeah. They're, they're the future. We're not, right. you know, we're young, but they're still the future. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's awesome. And I know what happens is even with me, like taking my godson, like I, you know, I give two shits what happens right. to me. I feel like I've, got all you know all the opportunities in the right. world and done done cool right. things and stuff but you want you want them to kill or catch or right. whatever you're doing but yeah that's awesome man that's that's a wonderful story and i'm glad to hear that he was able to experience that now is that something that you got mounted on the wall for yeah, him? so we i asked him i said do you want to keep it and he said do you keep your fish dad and i said well mm-hmm. i said daddy doesn't keep his but that doesn't mean you can't he said, I see. he goes, let him go see his, he goes, let him go see his friends, dad. <laughs> so, <laughs> we got him out of the net. Did I got a couple pictures with him with it? And, you know, I'll send them to you after, after we're done yeah. with this, I'll send you the pictures. But did yeah. you, I mean, just cheesing it from, from ear to ear. He was loving it. It's crazy. Um, and, and that's, that is the way it happens, man. Cause I can quite literally think back to some of the, uh, moments in some of the time that I had with my dad or my pap or, you know, any of my uncles or family, um, as far as mentors and such that I had. And I mean, I can, you know, plain as day, I can remember being like five or six mm-hmm. years old and seeing deer in the treehouse with my yep. pap or my dad and watching them shoot deer. And, you know, they going down and they're like, well, you're going to gut it. And I'm like, I'm I'm doing, but you, you, you try, yeah. right. And you learn. And you end up poking the gut. Well, I, I was just going to say, I got a funny story for you. If you, if you want to talk about the hunting side, uh, my buddy, Tony growing up, his dad raised deer and he had stud, absolute stud bucks that mm-hmm. he would sell for these 
places out west to artificially inseminate. And uh, we would hunt the back end of their property. So we mm-hmm. go out, Tony, Tony shoots a, uh, you know, we were young. We were probably 13-ish, you know, it was still, you know, we were, we were still learning the process. You know, our dads would take us out. Tony shot a doe. And uh, we're out there. And his younger brother, we call him Butchie. Uh, his dad says, Butch, come on, you're going to learn how to gut. Same thing. You're going to learn how to gut this deer. I'm going to walk you through it. So he goes up to the breastbone, cuts down. You know, he had the hook, the hook knife, hooked it up. You know, gets in there and he goes, all right, you know, feel around in there and get around the, you know, all the, all the outside and everything. So he's trimming it up. And he goes, dad, what's that right there? He goes, well, poke it and see. <laughs> it was the shit sack. <laughs> he poked it. <laughs> it was like, it was like something off a movie where somebody puts a firecracker in a bag of dog poop and it freaking explodes. It's all over. <laughs> Because yeah, that's he doesn't. He goes, that's what it is, Butchie. Don't ever make that mistake again. <laughs> <laughs> it's like sticking a fork in the outlet. Right, right. Dude, we we every time we see him now, that story. Every time I run into him, at least I'm like, man, Butchie. He goes, oh, I know what you're gonna say. Whenever I poke the shit sack, I got deer <laughs> crap all over me. <laughs> that's funny, man. Yeah. Well, you know, that's that's the community that comes with it and the camaraderie right. that it is. And that stuff lasts forever. Right. And I think that that's why the people of Pennsylvania, like especially for even like these kind of shows and these podcasts and uh, videos and such, that's why they love it so much. And that's why it's so relatable. Yeah. And that's not so much just the people of Pennsylvania. It's a lot of people in right. Pennsylvania, but the surrounding area is pretty good, too. Like, you know, you get into Ohio a little mm-hmm. bit, New York, um, you know, some of some of. uh uh, I was going to say uh, like Delaware, uh, Jersey, like there, you know, there are parts of it that are really connected to the way it is in Pennsylvania, definitely West Virginia. And then uh, a lot of Maryland also, but I, I feel like <clears throat> just in that surrounding area, like the heritage is super strong. Uh, you get out the outdoors. Mid- yeah. Yeah. And you get on the Midwest and stuff and all that stuff is strong, but like, it's, I don't think the group is as uh, like familiar with the way that it is around no, here. I- uh, with the with the with the heritage, I agree one hundred percent with that. One hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but hey, Lou, it was great having yeah, you on it, here, man. I really appreciate the conversation. Um, before you go, I wanted you to give everybody your info on the business, yeah. where they can find you, and how they can get a hold yeah, of you. Yeah. So, so again, my business is uh, Pinhead Beads and Tackle. Uh, I have my Facebook page. Um, from there, I have the website linked. It's uh, Pinhead Bead and Tackle dot big cartel.com uh you know i have everything from hoodies hats t-shirts uh the beads that i make i'll be adding the three inch trout worms onto that twitch minnows to it um you know anything i i always tell people uh if they're not familiar with the bead fishing definitely get a hold of me on facebook um and i can show them all the tutorial videos that i have made to make sure that it's something they want to get into or let me know if they're available and I, I'll meet up with anybody anytime if they, they want to fish and they can see firsthand how it's done. Yeah, so. That's awesome, man. Um, so you heard the man, don't be afraid to reach out and uh, lose a buddy of mine. I ask you to support his business and uh, he makes some, some really nice stuff that you guys can use on your adventures. And then you could also get a hold of him and say, Hey, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. How about helping me out? Marcus, the other so. thing I know I'd mentioned to you, I want to do anybody that mentions uh, the Keystone Chronicles, I'm going to put a promo code up for uh, 25% off the entire order. Awesome. So as long as you put in the Keystone Chronicles 
or if you mention it to me uh, through Facebook, you know, that you, you saw me on, on the podcast with Marcus, you know, 25% off your order. Um, I should have that up on the website if you go that route within the next day or two. I'll try to do it as soon as I get off here. But again, with four kids and two of them being infants, uh, I, I don't hold my breath on anything anymore. So <laughs> I understand, man. Now, everybody, I think the, the audience for the full, um, they, there's really living the kind of the same life that, that we have right. going on. So everybody's understanding, but that's awesome. We really appreciate yeah. it. And, um, I hope that, that a lot of people reach out and I yeah, hope dude. that you can get, get the business moving Thank here. You. Anything so. I can do to help as far as podcast goes to, you know, reach out to me, but I'll, I'll do anything I can to help you out. I appreciate yes, it, brother. Yes, sir. All, All right, brother. We'll Super catch Bowl. up with you. I will. I will. We'll catch up with you later All in right, the year. brother. All right. That wraps it up for another episode of the Keystone Chronicles podcast. Thank you all for listening this week's episode. Thank you, Lou, for coming through and uh, hitting us with some education and talking about your business, man. We really appreciate you coming on. And as always, guys, please go over to the page on any platform you're listening to. Don't forget to subscribe, comment, like, and we'll catch you guys next time. Thank you so much.